Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Greetings, everybody. Another episode of Tej Talks. What? Surprise, surprise. Today on the podcast, we have Stephanie Taylor, who invests in Wales, but no... We haven't got a friendly Welsh accent today, none of that, none of that. Um, so today we talk about investing in Newport, we talk about HMOs, rent-to-rent lease options, and how to outsource your HMO management. We also touch on some pretty challenging experiences with, you know, commercial finance and institutional lending, and, you know, trying to complete on one day and the money's meant to be delivered, but the lender talks about the ASTs not being correct, etc, etc. So Stephanie's experienced a lot of challenges, which I think we will all learn from. I definitely did. And there's some really useful tips in there when it comes to getting rent to rents, and also just, you know, the problems you'll face when you maybe start to move into purchasing houses. We also talk about how she's got her knowledge and expertise and packaged it into a course and how, you know, you can potentially do that as well. So if you, you know, want to find out more from Stephanie and you're interested in getting the free information that she didn't necessarily mention on the podcast, but there is some free information that she gives out alongside her YouTube channel, click on the link in the show notes uh, or on the Instagram post or on Facebook. Or alternatively, if you happen to go to their website, not from here, just mention Ted Talks when it asks you. Uh, and yes, of course, if you have left a review, can you please leave one? See, I whispered it this time. It's a bit nicer. Thanks. Stephanie, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Tej, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You know, I think I first came across you, this was a, this would have been like oh, eight months ago, maybe, where I was looking at, I think it was landlord letters, and I was looking at something about HMOs, and somehow I stumbled onto your YouTube videos, uh, and then your, your HMO Heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember watching them, and I think I used one of your templates actually for HMO letter. I mean, I sent out like twenty, so I didn't really, I didn't really do much with it. <laughs> um, but it was really, really useful. So, and then since then, we we met at a networking event, and we've been speaking and following each other's progress. And you also invest in Wales. You're not yes. Welsh. No, I'm not Welsh. I was going to say the accent's definitely not there. Um, <laughs> but before we get into, you know what you've been doing, your challenges, the highs, the lows, lease options, HMO management, online courses. Tell everyone listening what you were doing briefly before you got into property. Well, Tej, it's quite a long history because I'm actually, uh, well, I don't know if it's getting on a bit or not. Well, relative to you, maybe. Um, But I'm actually 48. So there's quite a lot of a gap to cover. But um, I've I was uh, a single mum at 19, and that was quite a struggle financially. But Alex is now 20, 29 this year, he's going to be. And um, he's, he's, a, he's a lovely boy. So all the challenges are have worked out for the best sort of thing. But within that, I, I did three degrees. And I then, but then there was still a period in my life where I had, I wouldn't call it depression exactly, but I had a period where I didn't believe in myself at all. I was working in a 
just above minimum wage job and I didn't really see um, a very bright future and that was only in sort of 2013-2014. So uh, coming into property three years ago has really uh, transformed my life in in so many so many different ways and uh, that's why I I just love talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow okay and then so you know from this this history i mean three degrees bloody hell that's a lot um what what then was that defining moment that you said you know property is now my thing i'm going full blast into property well i had sort of pulled myself out of that period of time where um i i was questioning my ability to do really basic um a basic minimum wage job and i was thinking oh my gosh can i do this can i do this job it was an office manager and you know i already had all that education and i had had responsible jobs before um but i think it's just the mindset at the time and i i did that job and i it worked really well i was brilliant at it and um i decided right i need more what what's next for me and um i started looking for roles and um i saw one that was online that was several hundred pounds a day as opposed to several hundred pounds a, a week and i thought mm, that must be a typo this can't be right not sure that this is a thing. And I called the agent. I sent my CV across because I thought when I read the task, it sounded quite administrative. And when I, I sent it off to the agent and I called the agent up and I says, well, I've sent my details across. I have the skills. I haven't worked in banking before, but I have the skills that they're looking for. Do you think, you know, that it sounds like a good fit? And, and um, first of all, I was questioning the salary um and i couldn't believe it when it says yes 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 mm-hmm. and i thought oh my gosh this is a thing and it was a whirlwind um few weeks where i had applied and then there was an interview on a friday and then they would the interview was perfect i was still living in edinburgh at the time and i lived in a lovely area of edinburgh in the west end of edinburgh and this job was down in stockbridge which is a lovely lovely part of edinburgh and i could walk from home along the waters of leith a little river and I just thought this job is so perfect and um I really wanted it you know I was so emotionally invested and um I I, I went to the interview on the Friday and it, it seemed to go well and the agent had already told me that they were going to let me know straight away uh, the same day and so I was waiting by my phone waiting by my phone waiting by my phone and I thought oh gosh I've got to call I've got to call so I, I called him and I said I'm guessing you haven't heard but I had to call because you know I'm so I've been sort of waiting by my phone. Um, he said, no, no, he hasn't called and that they've decided they're going to do some more interviews with people who do have finance experience. And that was going to be on the Monday. And so I thought, oh, so I had a terrible weekend. <laughs> and I thought, this is all gone. My chance is gone. I'm not going to get in with this at all. And, um, and then on Monday, I went to work as usual. And in the afternoon, I had my phone out on my desk and in the afternoon, my phone rang and I sort of nearly dropped it in my excitement to sort of get myself bundled off into an office to take the call. And then um, I I got the job. So and I became a contractor in financial services. And that was that was the start of me really appreciating more of what was out there. And I did that for a couple of years. And I thought, okay is this the next 20 years for me um what 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 more could I do and 
various things happened because you know there's opportunity all around all the time so properties existed all of these years of my life and I've only just seen it and when you start to look for the opportunity but there was a moment that made me think that it was relevant to me um, and that was um, I was in Bristol doing this contracting job and I had a lovely flat on the uh, harbour side in, in Bristol. And again, it was a lovely walk to work and a, a lovely lifestyle. Um, and uh, my mum called me up one morning and it was it was quite early. I was getting ready for work and it was a sunny day. And I was I was I knew that she was ill and she had been um, having a bit of a hard time. But on the phone, I was thinking oh my gosh, I, I could be late here. Um, oh my gosh, what about, am I going to get in on time? Oh gosh, I've still got a few things to do for that presentation. I want to check things over. I want to do this. So I was really distracted on the call. And um, then in the afternoon at work, I was just sitting there at my desk and it just all hit me. Like, you know, like um, it just hit me hard that, I had made this more important, the bank, and the bank would be fine if I didn't turn up on that day, or if I had never turned up again, the bank would be okay, but my mum wouldn't, and actually that was much more important, and that the lifestyle I was living meant I had to, that I was tied in, that I was locked in to that role and being in a certain place at a certain time, and that if she was really ill, if my mum was really ill, I it would be difficult for me to go there for months and maintain that lifestyle. So that was when I that was when I knew that I had to make it a must and not a maybe one day I could possibly. And um, I made myself find an opportunity that I could uh, step into. Mm. And I think, you know, it's these kind of uh, moments in our life where maybe sometimes we step back and think, did that happen or did I like behave like that or why did that kind of happen and then it's it creates a really deep and meaningful especially when it's a family kind mm. of um why in you and you know some people don't get it until they're 70 some don't some get it when they're 20 some mm. Mm. Are, are in property in business but they may not even still have that why so it's interesting to hear that it kind of came from you reflecting on something that i don't know i guess we probably do often with our parents yeah. and don't really think about it mm -hmm. so at that moment you said right I need freedom I need the ability to spend more time with her and not have to worry about being late for someone else how mm. did you then transition into right I'm a property investor well <laughs> that's the more difficult part isn't it Tej but <laughs> I, I was so fired up I was so fired up because it what I realise is it, it's not only about mum, that is important to me, um, but it's about living your passion, living your best life. I was living the bank's life and that's not meaningful. It is meaningful for some people and they get a lot of joy out of that. That wasn't a meaningful life for me. Um, but what what happened is that spark was lit and you know at the beginning of any new endeavour you're so excited and I was so organised. So I would wake up in the morning um, I would um, be listening to podcasts on my walk to work um, in the 
in the afternoons, I would uh, make calls. I had it all on my list app, who I needed to be calling, um, what my tasks were for that day. And then in the evening, I would then reflect over everything that had happened and set my tasks up for the following day and, you know, do it all again. So basically, I was setting up my business and um, I saw a talk. Um, this was this was after after the incident with Mum. I hadn't put it all together. What am I going to do? I just knew I was going to do something. And then I saw a talk that would normally have gone over my head, uh, a property networking event because I'd started going to property networking events because I thought maybe it will be something in property. And uh, at this talk, they were throwing off all these numbers of what these properties were worth on the contract periods to them. And uh, each number was coming across the screen, you know, 30,000, 50,000, 70,000. These were the profits over a three or five year period. And I was, I just thought, oh, my gosh, I, I, I don't know if I believed. I must have believed it was true at some level, but I, I was skeptical. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try. And um, I, you know, set up the business while I was still working full time. And that was in April. I incorporated um, the business and um, April 2016. And uh, on the the weekends, I would come over for viewings uh, to Newport. And uh, in June, we got two properties and it was just it was just such a whirlwind it was <laughs> it was terrifying it was terrifying Tosh. wow and and so you know you went to this this networking event and you know yeah when you're not in property and, and even when you are in property some of these figures you just think really but of course it inspired you and gave you that push to say right I'm going to do this so did you start off with were those two properties you had rent to rent yeah that's right so we started off, basically, I was starting off on my own, um, looking back on multiple failures in the past. And I just thought, I'm not sure looking back, what gave me the idea that I would be successful this time. And, um, but, but I, I'm glad that I took that leap of faith and tried because when I put myself in the situation where I was all in and I I explained, I was explaining to my sister and one of her friends what I was going to do. And to my surprise, because my sister's very cautious and very detail oriented, very focused um, on, yeah, on the details, which is I'm not. um, So, and risk averse. And so I thought that she wouldn't want to come in. I thought she might be involved maybe on one or two projects um, and you know, if it went well, maybe do a bit more. Um, but she said, no, no, I'll come in 50%. And it just was at the right timing because she, uh, my sister's always been a high flyer in business. She's fantastic at what she does because she puts herself, you know, 300% into whatever she does. The level of detail is like a crazy of what the things that she produces. And, um, so she'd been working for a bank. Uh, I remember at one time I always get the, I know this title. It was a global head of global HR at one of the banks, one of the big banks she was for a while, which I thought meant the whole world, but it doesn't. Global's a team within the bank. But um, and she used to she used to part of her job was flying around the world, showing other teams how to be as effective as her team was. And um, but she'd sort of burned herself out doing it because it was so many years that she was in that sort of role in London, and. Um, she decided to take uh, a, a, a role that allowed her more, um, 
I don't know if you call it balance, but more of a normal sort of working life uh, rather than sort of 24 seven scenario. And um, but what she found was that obviously the pay was significantly lower and also the workload was actually higher because whereas at the bank she had people, she had a team to delegate to in the, the other role that she took, there wasn't a team to delegate to and they'd sort of refused to take on anyone else. So, so she was at a reflection point. She'd resigned from that job. She got them to a really good point and she had, um, she was so proud of the time where she had an audit and, you know, it's very, very rare for an auditor to come in and say absolutely nothing I can say. And he'd said there was nothing he could say and <laughs> she was so proud of that but she got them to a good point and then she resigned and trained up the new person and resigned and she'd gone on a long holiday to decide what to do and that was just fantastic timing for this because it's doubtful that she would have left one of the really high paying jobs hmm. uh, to have joined me in the business and thank god she did because <laughs> as you know in the business you need both sides you need the brand the marketing mm -hmm. and the vision but you also need the delivery and the detail absolutely so you joined up forces with your sister and, mm -hmm. and maybe talk me through one of the those deals just so people get a grasp of the kind of figures that you were working with yeah. Oh, I haven't got these sort of figures to hand, but I'll see if I can talk off the top of my head because um, we, we sort of said we wouldn't talk so much on the rent to rent side. But let me talk to you about it. So I'll talk about the first one. It's uh, a five bed property and uh, it four double beds and a single bed. Uh, the landlord, we got it through an agent. Um, but it was on introduction only. So that's a little tip I give to people. If you're going for rent to rent and the agent is maybe a chain agent or they're not open to rent to rent, you can ask if they would be open to referring you to their tenant find only landlords where they're, they're not staying in the middle. Um, and, and that's what happened on this occasion. She was closed off to rent to rent. Um, the idea but she was very open to introducing us to one of her landlords who had two properties and he was looking to manage them himself the landlord was so so we uh so the landlord was originally looking for 800 pounds it started off about 1100 when it was a student let but students have gone from our local area the the campus moved and uh so he'd brought it down to 800 pounds a month which is expensive for a single let um, and you then have to find four people or five people who want to live somewhere at the same, move in together, move out together and be on a single AST. And there aren't so many of those. Uh, so he was having trouble letting it. And he, he'd, he'd seen a group of four guys, but he's been a landlord for over 20 years. And he relies on his intuition as well as, you know, whatever the money is. And uh, he liked us was the long and short of it. Um, and we went round and, you know, I had my little clipboard and I was saying, oh, yes, we would uh, we definitely, you know, take up this flooring. We'll do this. We'll do that. You know, when you are excited at the beginning and you, you haven't really got the lowdown on what everything costs. So um, but anyway, he liked us and he thought that he could trust us with his property, even though we were new. And um, he thought, you know, what, I'll take a chance. And so we asked for I don't think we asked for a five year um, option, but he, he said he wouldn't have signed five years anywhere. He would have signed three. And so he signed three. We signed a three year deal on both properties with him and we paid him £600 a month. Now, I, Nikki, I wanted to offer £700 a month and Nikki said no, 600 Thank goodness that she said that because as it turns out, we really spent a lot of money on his properties. Um, 
but I was just convinced that he wouldn't offer us the properties. But what his situation was, and it's all down to every individual landlord's situation, is his situation was he's owned those properties for over 20 years. They owe him nothing. He's got no mortgage on them. He owns six HMOs. He loves his job. He still works full time. Um, and he his problem is actually finding ways to where places to put his money where he's not paying a huge amount of tax that's that's his problem so so he was more than happy with the 600 on the guaranteed basis he had some other houses that he had on a guaranteed basis with a with an asylum seeker company a company housing asylum seekers and they were paying 200 pounds a room and so obviously this was significantly lower um, but he accepted it and it's worked out really well for us. And he's extended the contract for another five years. And, you know, he's almost proud of us. He did a testimonial video for us. And he said, I'm so, you know, proud of you, uh, girls, because um, he didn't he didn't really know if it was going to work out. He just had a feeling that we would try our best and um, that we were honest. And, uh, uh, yeah, we gross uh, £2,000 a month. On, on that property. Um, so what I like to say when people say that rent-to-renters are taking money off landlords um, is that actually over the eight-year period, the landlord's probably getting more than he would have done if he tried to hold out for his 800 and get people, you know, a group of four in and then there's nothing for six months and then a group of two, uh, sorry, a group of four in again for so many months and then it's empty again or he's got to redecorate or whatever. And um, he's got he got a big refurb. We we ended up spending twelve thousand pounds on that property. That was not uh, a deliberate move, <laughs> but a over, lot. it is a lot. But over the um, over the I can't remember if it's a five year period or the, but it's seventy three thousand pounds because this is part of one of my presentations. So I know that we've got seventy three thousand pounds over five years, and that's the profit after all the costs are taken out avoids cleaning uh, gardening minor maintenance and every all the utility bills everything that we pay for and um yeah so so they're really worthwhile deals and we've learned how to do the refurbs less um (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say yes i mean that's you know that kind of money over five years is is great yes it's over five years but you know what do we want from property we want the money you want the cash flow we want what it gives us so it's it's good you've kind of gone through those figures. I think it's very easy to be like, oh, but I'm only making X in my first year. And it's like, well, it's an investment. So that's cool. But then wait till every year afterwards and add them all up and see what you actually could earn. Um, because, you know, we're going to be on this earth, hopefully for five, 10, 15, you know, however many years. So I guess there's a good tip for people. Work it out on the long term before you maybe say no to different deals. So you... Got this. You got these two rent rents together, and then, and and how long ago was that? That was June two thousand sixteen. So, talk me through what you've done since then. And I'm sure it's a lot. So, pick and, and choose which parts you you want to talk about. Well, I'll talk about the f- the first bit, the bit where we are at that moment. So, we're um, that business we called uh, HMO Heaven, and it's an HMO management company, but obviously it's on guaranteed rent basis, so that we take the risk out of it for landlords. So, a lot of the landlords that we were working with actually were often losing money or were having other difficulties. Um, 
we're now working with different types of landlords who are investors who have a fully refurbished all up to date property. But that's another story. So how we grew the business um, is that we just really focused on getting the right deals, um, nailing the marketing to the landlords and building up relationships with people. So we've grown that side of the business. Uh, the I know turnover's vanity and uh, <laughs> what's it called profit is sanity so but because we've grown a slightly bigger business I'll, I'll talk about it so we our, our turnover now is uh, just going over four hundred thousand pounds a year and over our five-year deals that's over two million pounds over the five years gross and then our profit is between 30 and 40 percent so we do have an office and we do have a full-time member of staff a VA obviously lots of contractors who are working for us so um, so that's the HMO heaven uh, side of the business. And then the other thing that we talked about beforehand, Tej, was that we also really wanted to start investing in our own properties and buying our own properties. And um, that was something that we were really excited to do and grow, you know, grow the wealth in the longer term. And um, so investing the cash flow from those deals uh, into buying other properties. And we gave ourselves the target of buying 50 units. So each each rental unit, a rental unit could be like a room in an HMO or a self-contained flat or a bed sit. So 50 rental units we wanted to initially buy. And we're just over halfway there. And that has been uh a roller coaster of a journey, shall I say? By comparison, you know, the rent to rent side of the business has been easy. <laughs> wow. So, how many rent to rents did you acquire before you said we're going to start buying? Well, not very many because we, let me think, it was, I'm talking about 2016. We actually bought the first one in November. Let me see, did I make a note? Yeah, I've got here November 2018, but that's not right. It's November 2017. Um, it's November 2017 and we started this. So it's about a year and a half in that we started buying, but we were sort of looking a little bit before. And, okay. and then, so, you know, obviously you, you did some rent to rents, which is still property by all means, but, you, you know, you maybe miss out the most annoying part which is conveyancing which is actually <laughs> buying a house so um, I also want to talk about the HMO outsourcing which we'll get to afterwards but t so tell us how t tell us the challenges the successes of you know buying your own properties and if you have any figures of the ones you you've you purchased as well that would be awesome yeah I have I have so let's talk about the first one um that we bought in November 2017 it's a commercial property and uh, it was being used as offices and it had a tenant already in place with a lease and um it was on the market for 100 and oh, oh was it 148 I think it is um, I can't remember whether we offered less or what have you but we bought it for 148,000 we bought it cash because we needed to be fast to secure it at that price and we thought ha 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 that it would be easy to refinance once we bought it um that did not turn out to be the case uh, <laughs> um already had yeah so the, the tenant the commercial tenant was paying fifteen thousand pounds a year and they were on a full repairing lease which means that our costs are absolutely minimal really for that building 
Um, and our idea was to get planning permission to convert it into an HMO. It had three parking spaces on the side, but Newport's quite anti-HMOs. And when I did the figures, I kind of worked out that the profit that we would make on an HMO after all the costs was relatively similar to the profit that we would make on three self-contained flats. And the planning for three self-contained flats would be so much more straightforward. And it would also give us a little bit of... Um, a, a little bit of diversity within what we're doing. Uh, so we we went to an architect, um, architect stroke, stroke planning consultant, and um, we got uh, we got we were surprised they came up with four four one bed flats, and they're decent. Um, I mean, not massive, but they're decent size. They're not shoe boxes. Um, one of them is um, what do they call it? A duplex flat. So that's why he managed to get the extra one in. And um, so the estimated spend on that will be £70,000 to refurbish it. And so we'll be all in at two twenty. but you know everything always costs more and they could be on for scenes and da da da, da. So we'll, we'll, let's say we're all in at two fifty. And on a, on a conservative revaluation, if we sell the flats individually, um, it would be 400 k thereabouts, possibly more, uh, but that's a conservative. Wow. And this was your first deal? Yeah, but we we own it and we've still got our commercial tenant in place and they've extended until March because at the time when they wanted to extend, we didn't yet have the planning. The planning has actually taken much longer than anticipated. So they wanted to extend for a year, so we said yes because it just means that when we'll be able to give them plenty of notice for moving out and they're looking to move anyway. Um and also we'll be able to get everything you know the builders and everything in place ready to go um you know next march to do the to do the refurb ah okay so and i think a quick thing to mention is for anyone listening who invests in england um i believe they could have done that under permitted development from an office Mm -hmm. to flats but because we invest in wales where seems to be years behind um <laughs> don't really have permitted development do we it's kind of like you have to apply and pay for every single planning thing you need right yeah absolutely good fun and um the the, the other exciting thing about it is that that the gross rental income at a conservative because these flats are really nice they're right opposite the station so a fantastic location we could possibly essay them that's something that we haven't tried um, and but even as long term lets, we would get at least five fifty. That's what we're achieving for other uh, one bed flats, and these are these will be nicer. Um, and that's um, over twenty six point four twenty over twenty six thousand pounds a year gross and minimal costs because obviously it'll just be refurbished. So there'll be a sort of minimal maintenance and and no utilities apart from the communal electricity bill, which is tiny wow and so you, you mentioned before that it would be tough to refinance yeah oh my gosh yeah it was it was it was dreadful so we we got a broker the broker was amazing and um we gave our situation and because obviously we're, we're working in the business the business is successful however we're not drawing a huge salary from the business because we're reinvesting the money that we're making from the business so um they said yeah yeah that's all fine um they'll take it based on 
the property itself um and they can do this commercial lending because obviously that that added another layer of complexity that it had to, to be uh, commercial lending. So we we went with this commercial lender, but oh my goodness, I'm just think trying to think when this actually came through. It was it was last year. So we started that program. I think it was about eight months. It was supposed to take maybe a month or two. It took eight months to get that, and um, it was because we were using a smaller. Um, finance company Um, it was one that our broker hadn't used before actually and I think that you know perhaps in hindsight he he said he wouldn't use them again but uh, (laughs) but um, what happened was Tej was that they asked for all the information no problem we sent it all across then as time went on they kept asking for other things and other things and other things or saying that whatever we'd submitted wasn't okay and asking for the insurance company to write a letter to say that they agreed to things that no or not many insurance companies will agree to so then we had to find a new insurer uh, based on this requirement which was a very unusual requirement and I can't unfortunately for the life of me remember what the requirement was but so all of these reasons are why it took eight months and and um it it just was it just was slightly stressful as well. <laughs> so, but luckily it was it was it was our money. We didn't we weren't owing anything to anybody, and um, so it was okay. But imagine if you had been in a situation where you know you had some sort of expensive finance in place which you needed to repay, and then you got to wait eight months when you thought it was going to be two. Oh, that would be especially on a bridge. I mean, you know, it wasn't a. Uh... A million pound property but it, it could happen on one and the, the cost of that bridging if you're paying interest yes. a month oof, yes. that's like a yeah. salary so um you know you, you have this deal and you obviously smartly you said we've got a tenant in who's paying so that's cool we're gonna leave them in get the planning keep making money and then get it done uh what did you then do after this so and this was another story that didn't quite go to plan so we wanted to buy some other properties and we were really looking at HMOs and we went for several tertiary but it was quite competitive and people were paying a little bit more than okay we would pay market value and some of them fell out of bed because the owners weren't straight with us um I mean we hadn't gone too far down the road so but it's always a little bit disappointing but then we had looking at then we started looking at flats and we'd seen something that was three self-contained flats but it was a bit highly priced it was a, the, the price was very high for the location although there were huge flats they had a lot of potential um a huge garden a big driveway um and again we really wanted it but they wouldn't even negotiate 500 pounds on the price and we thought it was actually overpriced so we just even with the five pound a off so we just thought this is going to go nowhere because by the time we get the valuers in and they down it which is what was happening in Newport at the time. Um, so we we missed out on that one. Then we looked at another one that was six self-contained flats on one lease on one block, and that was an amazing deal as well. We got we got the valuers out, we got this and that, and then the owner just went AWOL. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, so we that was another spend. So we're starting to really uh, get downhearted, but. You know, uh, and you've probably seen this yourself, is that sometimes when one door closes, the door that opens is so amazing and you weren't actually looking anywhere in that direction previously. So what happened was we um, found a property that was 12 units, uh, 10 what they call bedsits. It's such an old-fashioned word now, isn't it? But it's 
where you've got the bed and you've got the kitchen, but it's a separate bathroom. So it's 10 of those, uh, a two-bedroom flat and a shop. So it's part commercial. So we already had lending agreed with a broker, again, for the previous six bed that fell out of bed. So again, we'd had to pay broker fees and all sorts of other fees, and that, that just disappeared and then uh, we thought great we've got this finance in place already so it's going to be simple now to move it on to this property so we went back to the broker explained all this they said yeah yeah we'll get I'll get on to the lender and of course this tiny shop on the front changed everything so he said no um, so the, the lender says no we won't lend on that it's part commercial so <laughs> Yeah, so it was back to square one again. And the guy who was selling it was, um, you know, he'd bought it. He was retiring. Uh, he'd bought it like donkeys ago. He was didn't live in uh, the area. Um, he didn't have all these papers and everything to hand. And he, but also he didn't appreciate how lending has changed. So we said, yeah, we're ready to go. We've got lending in place, which we thought we did, and then we didn't. I said, so I went back to, I said, we've got to go through this process again, which is quite painstaking and takes a while for the lenders to come back to you. We had all the information together by now. And um, he was, um, the, the the seller kept throwing his um, dolls out the pram, and I, I, I had to, in the end, send him some emails from the lender, you know, from our broker saying, look, this is the process we're going through. It's not it's not us who's causing the delay. It's just something that any buyer who's using um, finance and it's commercial finance again will have to go through unless it's a cash buyer. Anybody's going to have to go through this process. So um, so. It all went through, and then that that one we 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 offered on it in September 2018. It completed in March 2019, and believe you me, it felt like a lot longer time. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And do you know what? On the day of the original completion, the lender. This is what. This is why I find the lenders bizarre. That the lender said that they weren't prepared to complete because all the ASTs were in the name of the owner's like sole trader company that he'd invented to, to to run the business they weren't so he's he's selling it as himself a personal individual so the sole trader company does not exist as a legal entity and so therefore they're not willing to complete that was that was the story wow because of the ASC on the day of completion Tesh so <laughs> not like um, they had time to before to, to look at that did they like Ridiculous. <laughs> So, uh, so what happened was, so the lender, luckily, sorry, the seller, luckily, um, had come to see his solicitor in Newport from, uh, you know, down south where he lives, and um, it, you know, we were all the, the phones were flying, you know, calls were going back and forth. Oh, okay, well, he's going to go and you know redo the ASTs, and and I, I said, can't we do anything about this to the broker? I said, can't we do this after we complete? You know, do we're going to issue new ASTs anyway? And luckily, our broker was able to persuade them the lenders to go ahead as long as we got the new ASTs issued within six months of completion. But I think that's just a typical thing. Well, I can't say typical. I'm talking from two experiences, but <laughs> I've heard from other people that the lenders are just um, not always on the ball at all. And it's not that they are asking for the information. You don't mind. It's just the when, when they do it. Yeah, I've heard this a lot and I think it is typical. And there's definitely some lenders who have rubbish reputations and like brokers are like oh we avoid these at all costs like the plague so i think the power of having a good broker which you did because they convinced them um is so so important because if you just go on paper 
quotes from mortgage lenders, then you'll you'll go for certain companies who have terrible customer service and no like ability to just be a good business. So it's definitely one to have a good broker with. I have to say that the second lender was really good. I mean, apart from that, that was an awful experience, the completion part. But apart from that, they have been really good. The second lender, the first lender, we're delighted that we we have the money with them. And, <laughs> but we wouldn't want to go through that process again. Absolutely, <laughs> the <first lender. laughs> yeah. So speaking of, so these are lenders, these are commercial institutions. Now, when we spoke before, and I know you mentioned uh, about private investors and lease options. So talk me through your experiences with those. Well, I'll talk about the um, I'll talk about the lease option first. Again, this is another area that I was very skeptical on, and um, but I still regard it as something that is the cherry and not the cake. So I see a lot of people saying that you know you can get a consistent income and sort of live full time off your sourcing as a new sourcer and that's really highly unlikely because a you need a consistent flow of really attractive looking deals coming to you that takes a while to develop and b you need a network of investors who are ready to move and who trust you and again that takes a while to develop so the chance to even experienced sources are not always getting a consistent flow of deals through so I think it's it's a good um, ability to have, a good skill to have, and people should definitely learn about it and try it and make some money out of it and become good at it. But it is, is the cherry and not the cake. Uh, you've got to be on the game. And if you need constant cash flow, then you need another stream of income while you build up your sourcing. But uh, but let me go back to lease option. I, I've answered another question. She always tells me <laughs> off for this. <laughs> but I, I got an idea and I just wanted to share that. But anyway, so lease options. So what happened was one of the landlords, we were managing an eight bedroom property. And in this case, he was an accidental landlord. He did have other properties which he had purposely bought as buy to let. They're all single lets. But he bought this property because there was some land at the back and he sold off the land, made a big profit. But he also had this big, big house. So he turned it into an eight bed HMO and um, all went well for a few years. His brother lived in there and managed everything for him. But then his brother moved out and things went downhill really fast. And it, it ended by the time that we met him. He had only three people in there out of eight. Um, one of them didn't work. And the heating was honestly, as you walked in, it was like a wall of heat. It was just, it just hit you. Um, they just had the heating on 24-7, but also set up to the tropical tropical temperatures. So he was losing uh, over a £1,000 a month um, every month on the property because he just lost the will to live with it. He didn't know. He honestly didn't know what to do. He tried an agent. Then he was losing an additional 10%, but he wasn't getting any extra tenants. So um, when we wrote to him and uh, he got in touch with us, he he did what we suggested. We started paying him, you know, over a thousand pounds every month and he was delighted, but really wanted to get a shot of that property because it did not have good memories for him. Um, but um he so when it but he couldn't sell it because it was a negative equity at the time he bought it sort of at the peak of the market but obviously with with eight new tenants in and being in a much better condition and with a great cash flow coming through uh, he got it valued and it had come back to the price he paid so he so we knew a value was going in because he obviously had to ask us for access so we could let the tenants know so we said oh are you selling it um we would be interested and um, obviously, there's a trust between us now. 
um he really likes us and also he's really grateful to us um and we really like him and we came to a price and it's it's a really nice agreement because we're paying him an agreed amount every month for five years and then at the end of five years we buy it and the amount that we've already paid comes off the purchase price so Hmm. in a sense it's like getting five years rent free wow i mean that's a that's a pretty good deal yeah and, yeah. and, you know, people say lease options are kind of like unicorns. They don't come by too often and it's so hard to find them. And some people are like, nope, that's my strategy. I'm just doing lease options. And I think neither is correct. But how do you view how um, easy or straightforward it is to get lease options? Okay. So to get lease options, you have to be in the game. You've got to be on the pitch. You've got to be a player on the field because when you are there on the pitch, you know, you can see all the opportunities you can, you, you know, if you're not in the game, you, you, I don't know, this analogy is going wrong. <laughs> but when you're in the game in, in a cash flowing manner, or you're doing something in property where you're meeting landlords, you're seeing lots of people with properties, there's always people wanting to exit. And there's always people who don't want to go through the hassle of the, because this guy could just sell his property, but for him, that's hassle. He doesn't want hassle. Um, he's not looking at it like a property investor. He's looking like it. How can I not lose money selling this property? How can I not lose money and also not spend much time selling this property? And um, those are the things that are most important to him. Um, and selling that it. makes sense. You know, you've spent the time to understand this, which again is 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 one of these things where people don't necessarily think about it but that little bit of time getting to know asking the right questions understanding allows you to then shape your response back and then you know formulate this lease option and formulate the a structure of working together so that's important for everyone is to build relationships yes you might meet 10 vendors speak to each one for an hour and one gives you a deal or none but like you said Stephanie, you have to be in it to win it and you have to be on the field so yeah you know so obviously, you know, commercial lenders have not, uh, you've not had the best experience with them. Have you started using or speaking to private investors, like kind of angel or JV people? Yeah, well, Tej, we get a lot of people who approach us about working together and spending their money with us. But what we wanted to do first is work with people we know. Um, we did think that we would go down that route and accept money. Um, but what we've, what we've what we just thought actually is, um, it's better to work with people we know. So we have uh, an investor who we know, who's a friend, and who's put fifty thousand pounds in uh, that they're happy to keep in um, for um, for interest, and and that's great. And we will work with other people. So we've got some of our landlords who have got money they want to invest, but they don't want to invest it long term. But they want to flip. You know, he he, he just wants to do that specific thing. Um, that's not in total alignment with what we want to do right now. But um, we said when we get when we find the right property, there's no reason not to do a flip. There's no reason not to do a flip. So we will do a flip together. And he'll put all the upfront costs in, you know, uh, for purchase. And we might, you know, pay for the refurb we haven't we haven't structured the deals but it would be a 50 50 on the he would get all his money back when we sell it he would get all his money back and we would split the profit 50 50 and we would we would manage all the refurb and everything like that so hmm. 
Okay, no, I think it makes sense. You know, when you're when you're with using other people's money, yeah, it, you know, some people are comfortable with working with random people they don't know, but some people are not. And I think it it's totally down to you and how you want to run your business. So, going back to what you said about your business and your company in in HMO management, why is it important, and how have you outsourced your HMO management? Yeah, this is a great question, Tej, because I can remember back in, so we, we got these properties in June 2016. And one of the failures in inverted commas that I get to look back on is I, I ran a, a business, it was just a little um, network, uh, we, I organized holidays, ski holidays, um, uh, cycling holidays, walking holidays, uh, social events, book club, art club, all this sort of thing. So um, you can probably imagine that that was a lot of work. And I took it all on I didn't really outsource I didn't systemize I didn't understand um I didn't know what I didn't know to use an often used uh property phrase but I loved that business I loved growing the business the the good thing about it was the network it was profitable enough to sustain um one person uh but I could have grown it if I had had a different mindset or, or and also combined with slightly different information and skills but had I had the mindset, I would have looked for the information that I needed and, and developed the skills. But so so that was where I was coming into it. So when we started in June, straight away, I thought, right, we need to get these systems in place because I do not want to spend the rest of my life, um, you know, uh, doing the mundane things. And some people do like to do those things. So um so what we did was we had those nine rooms that we had first the five bed and the four bed from the landlord who I mentioned earlier and um I was doing everything I had paper ASTs paper um whatever and uh, you know because it was all in the rush because if you recall uh we we I was still working full time in Bristol this was in 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 June and um I think people were moving in in July and August we had the refurbs in between so it was up and down the motorway and at my work I got offered the chance to continue with my contract until September which would have been logical to build up a bit of extra savings because it was a it was a well-paid contract um but I just couldn't do it because my head was my head was not at work <laughs> my head was not at work I thought I need to throw myself 100% into so I moved across and I moved into one of these empty HMOs and I was, you know, doing the viewings. I, I Obviously, I was overseeing the refurb. Then I was doing the viewings, moving people in and all the rest of it, everything. So I was run ragged and I and that's when I thought, right, we've got to get all this online. So at the very same time, I signed up with Arthur, the online property management system. I started looking at what I was doing to onboard each person and wrote it wrote it down i went over it with nikki we created a system we created the templates of the emails that we send to people when they're contacting us on spare rooms and then we we employed a va so that she could do all of the online part of it so um i I did the first two houses as i say and then for the third one um it was with the the va and she did all of the online parts, so organising the viewings, contact, putting it on spare room, contacting people on spare room, organising the viewings, getting them in the calendar, and then the whole tenant onboarding system, um, you know, because um, right to rent and ASTs and deposits and registering and all of that, but we had it on a platform where we could oversee. So she would work Monday to Friday, 
she would actually work weekends but I just said actually take the weekends off because I don't want you to burn yourself out um but if we needed to progress anything it was all there where we could all see it and we could move things forward and she would know when she came in what we had done so that was that was incredible and we carried on like that for quite some time so we were still doing all the viewings and all the in-person activities at the houses and then we just looked at each other at some point in 2017 and thought we can't keep doing this because I think uh, um, we need to to grow the business. We need to be putting our energy in a different direction, and it's really difficult to keep changing your focus. So, so we just decided we tried all sorts of things before we actually got it right. And what I mean by that is we thought that we could just do it by having somebody part time do the viewings. Um, but we wanted to be able to call on this person all different times. So, um, we didn't say, so we just decided, you know what, we're going to have to employ somebody who works for us, um, because the business is growing, um, and we need, we need that availability where we've got somebody whose job it is, um, to do the viewings and do all this other online, um, thing, because there's to do it really well. Um, there's a lot of little things that every time we take on a property, for example, one of the little things that we do is we um, label all the kitchen cupboards and produce a kitchen plan in color and put that on the thing. So there needs to be somebody who's doing all these little things that we do at the very beginning that we put up signs in each house. Um, we, you know, there's all the little things and that's all systemized for each property. So when we're onboarding a property and, and we took on, um, in an affordable way, we took on a trainee, uh, Luke, who is incredible, and he just took to it. At the beginning, obviously, we invested a lot of time showing him um, all the tasks and um, things were written down and he had the platform and he had the guidance. Wow. And, and you know, I think you don't you don't realize how time consuming all these little, little, little things are until... Mm-hmm. Maybe someone else does it and you're like, oh, wow, I've got all this yes. free time now. I can I can do stuff. I can live my life. So it's it's one of these things where it's always a balance. You know, do I hire and take a hit in terms of money, but to then make more money with income generating tasks? So it's always a kind of discussion to be had. And I think those aspects are probably ones that most people don't enjoy. So, you know, why be in your own business to make money and be free if you're doing still doing things you don't enjoy when someone else will do them or they'll enjoy them so um you've got all this experience you've got had all these experiences and obviously you put out content on facebook and on your youtube channel so talk to me about um like how you i guess you call it package your experience and expertise and i know you sort of make it into an online course and you're also doing a bit of online marketing like talk to me about Maybe how people could take their knowledge and do what you do with yours. Well, uh, Tej, I am a, a novice marketer, uh, but I love your branding and the way that you are so authentic with it and a storyteller, but you're really sharing your value in a super engaging way. Um, so I I um, aspire to be able to do that consistently. <laughs> but um, what we, what happened with us uh, at the beginning, as you can imagine, Tej, this has been a sort of transformative three years for me. Um, there was there was a time, you know, more than more than more than that ago, because where I wasn't on my feet. So I get that, this joy and passion from 
And now that the business is running itself, it's between Nikki and Luke are mainly running the the management side of the business. Nikki's on managing the contractors and so on and just overseeing the maintenance sides. And Luke is like liaising with the tenants and so on. Um, but and keeping the tenants happy. Um, but um, so I get to do something else. And what I realized that I didn't know this about myself is that I I enjoy a new challenge. And when when we first started doing this, I wanted to share it with people just so I could say to people, if you thought like I did that property is not for you or that you needed a lot of money to get into property or you needed money to make money, um, you don't. What the most important thing that you need is your yes you can attitude and sometimes you can't get from where you are straight to yes you can but you can get from exactly where you are and if you're at a low ebb you know like I was you can get to it's possible for me that's something I got from Les Brown and I think that's really powerful that if you can't believe for yourself yet that you can believe it's possible so I enjoy the sharing of the information that helps people to see that it's possible for them and that yes they can and so I was just sharing free like the letters and this thing with the letters has brought me so much happiness do you know what I found out recently is that I was speaking at um I was at a property event and one of the people there said that he had been on um, a national training event and a sort of mastermind where, you know, you go for a year and pay several thousand pounds and they were using our letters and they were, <laughs> they were claiming that we'd been their graduates. And wow. I thought, what a compliment. Um, it's a bit of a cheat, but it was also a compliment as well. And um, somebody in our Kickstarter group said that they had been to um, a training event recently and they got chatting to someone. And the person said that they started their business uh, using our letter and it had be, it, been successful for them. So so I was sharing all this free value, um, the, the letters and the deal analyzer and just be, the videos, as you say, kind of quite shrieky about how to get started what to do little hints and tips and um and people were coming and asking more questions and more detailed questions on a one-to-one basis and asking for training I was referring them to other people and they would come back and say oh but what about this and what about that and I said well did you not do the training but what I realized with the training is that there's either one two or three day courses where you don't get the support at the level that you need when you're implementing it and what to say to such and such a landlord, oh gosh, the agent has said this, what do I do now? Or is this a good deal? Or what do you think of my letter? They need that ongoing support. And all the other alternative is they, the long-term support, which doesn't, these sort of expensive mentoring programs, which can be very useful, don't get me wrong, but they don't typically go into the level of detail. Like we've had people who have done the expensive management programs and got value out of it, but they didn't get the detail of, for example, how to onboard a tenant, um, what to say in your offer email, uh, templates like that, how to get the HMO list if the council's being sticky um, or tricky. Um, So we thought, well, what we can offer is... A longer term program. So it's a two month program online where you get 
all the actual documents that we use in our business. So I know that some people do it and they kind of create these documents for the course. So these are the actual documents that we're using right now um, to be successful that we share with people. But I think what's more important is the coaching element of it, which is the being in the in the group together, um, sharing the highs and the lows and keep moving forward because the people who are successful have all been through trials and tribulations and they've kept moving forward and that's where sometimes we let ourselves down because we stop if it gets if it gets tricky and when you keep moving forward so yeah so we decided to, to start the course and it's called uh well the brand is called rent to rent success and uh the course is called rent to rent kickstarter hmm. okay awesome uh, and i think you know, it's, something you said there was really important is like you're showing the highs and lows and it's not just a, you know, a kind of piece where you promise millions and, and amazing things in your first month and first year and stuff. I think because you've actually done it and, you know, plenty of other people have as well, you can say it will take this long and it will be this hard, but the results are there at the end of it and we've experienced them, we're experiencing them right now. So... The last question I have for you is, is there an app, resource or bit of technology that you just can't live without? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I love because um, since we've been doing the course side of things and a bit more um, online presence, we have taken on another VA and uh, uh, so liaising with her what I find has been amazing has been screen-o-matic, the screen recording software, so I can show her how to do something, where to go on the screen, why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, and record that for her. And we also have Asana, uh, the project management tool, uh, where I can allocate tasks for her, we can speak to each other on it, and also we've got a resource of all the tasks that have ever been created and um, one of the projects within there is called Processes, so that all all the previously recorded processes are in there with links to their videos. So that's been really super, super useful. Mm, I like it. I think there's a few different types. I, think I use loom.io, and I think most, oh, of, yeah. Them are, yeah, 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 most yeah. of them are free. Most of them are like really, really easy to use, and it works so well. When I give a VA a task, it's like... It, uh, what do we used to do before I just can't even imagine like this <laughs> it's like it just makes so much sense so Stephanie thank you so much for coming on the show there's a lot of value here there's a lot of experience that you've had that I know people listening are going to take a lot away from so if they want to you know continue the conversation with you or get in touch with you what's the best way they can do that well um I'm on Facebook the most so you can message me on Facebook I'm Stephanie Taylor or you can visit our website at rent to rent success if you're interested in the coaching or our normal businesses at hmoheaven.co.uk. But if you want to speak to me personally and I'd love to talk to you, uh, message, message me on Facebook. Amazing. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thanks, Tej. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube for more great content.